and welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 64, and we look back at the Ojibwe Forest Rally from a couple weeks ago with special guest Ryan Booth. Ryan put on what was by many accounts the standout performance from the weekend in his first outing in a McKenna Motorsports Fiesta R2. It was Ryan's first national class win on some of the most challenging roads on the calendar. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. Well, apologies, everybody, for, again, another late, late post. Been really busy with the short time frame between STPR and Ojibwe from a few weeks ago. I'm actually sat in the airport right now and uh, trying to get the editing done. So hopefully this will be uploaded uh, before I get all the way there. Anyways, I uh, had a preview thing, actually, with Ian that I had recorded and apparently lost the file. So sorry, Ian, about that. Anyways, let's bring on our guest, Ryan Booth, after a spectacular outing at Ojibwe. Ryan, welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on tonight. Super excited. Well, we're super happy to have you because you've put on a hell of a show at Ojibwe. But before we get into that, actually a couple of things. Number one, uh, you're nice and safe, thankfully, I think, uh, with the storm brewing. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like it's going to... Uh die down a little bit before it gets to Charleston, South Carolina, where I'm from. So we live like two miles from the beach, and some of the uh, roads are already starting to flood on Sunday and Saturday due to that king tide going on, which I still don't even really know what that is, but it sounds impressive. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think everything will be okay. But decided to retreat up to the mountains for a couple of days, see some family members up in West Virginia, and try to not have to deal with no power in the 95-degree heat. Oof, yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, so uh, aside from that, um, you know, before we again talk about Ojibwe, how did you get into racing? Because you put on a hell of a performance, man. Yeah, thanks. Um, so it started started a while ago. I think I was 9 or 10. My dad had bought me and him a dirt bike one year for Christmas. So we just started riding around, and uh, I grew up in South Florida. We started riding around in open lots anywhere we could find, and Eventually made our way to a uh, motocross track, started riding, and I uh, did some clinics and was about to start getting into racing, but, you know, all my friends that I rode with were falling, getting hurt. Dad had fallen a couple of times and gotten hurt. I uh, luckily skated away with no broken bones or anything, but we had, uh, we swapped the uh, dirt bikes out for um, four wheels, got me a go-kart, I think, like two years after he got me that dirt bike, and um, just kind of was all downhill from there. I, uh, when was that? I think he got me my first go-kart whenever I was about 11 years old and, uh, started doing some local racing, went to, you know, do some local races in Florida and ended up doing some regional and national stuff. And, um, but I never really did too well in go-karts. I was always kind of a bigger kid growing up. So well, quickly it's, got it's out hyper competitive of- down there, right? I mean, that's kind of like California with karting. I mean, just those, those regions where it's, you know, warmer all winter long. You have people come from all over to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we had a winter Florida series, which was like there was a, a four a four race series over the course of like two months. And, you know, I raced with Spencer Piggott, who's now an IndyCar, Whoa. Connor Daly. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a bunch of different names. And um, it was really ultra competitive, so. Wow, um, that's impressive. I mean, I was just at the track this last weekend watching IndyCar with Connor Daly and Spencer Pickett being there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's some pretty big names. So 
what made you or, or when did you first turn an eye to rallying? What got your interest in that? Well, so I had a, you know, a long track career and back in 2014, that was uh, the last professional or, you know, quote unquote professional season of me trying to become a professional race school driver um, in pro Mazda. And uh, I found a sponsor, you know, two weeks before the season started. I um, didn't really have a very good year that year, finished about mid-pack and had a podium or two. Um, so I decided I needed to make a change, couldn't find money to go to the next step in open wheel stuff. So I um, went to, I think my mom, yeah, my mom had gotten me a, a gift card to go to Dirtfish. So I went and did a four-day four day school at Dirtfish and uh, fell in love with driving rally cars and going sideways on, on gravel. And uh, that was right in the peak. That was, you know, end of 2014. So that was right in the peak when GRC and Rallycross was, was becoming really well-known and really prominent and exciting. So I uh, looked into doing that, but, you know, just decided I needed to try to make a career and get in the family business, which we own, a, we own and operate a franchise of McDonald's restaurants down in South Carolina. And uh, decided I needed to go to work and make some money and stop spending it trying to become <laughs> a professional race car driver. So uh, put the... Uh, put the rally racing dream on hold for a little bit. And a couple of years later, I found ODD rented cars and I, uh, been all downhill, from, all downhill from there since we did, uh, Oregon. So in Oregon was your first round then? Yeah, that was my first rally. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. that was a rapid advance then. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did the four day class at Dirtfish. That doesn't really teach you notes and stuff that much or anything like that. So maybe some real basics. Um, what was it like then going, like doing recce and, uh, you know, learning the true ins and outs of the sport? Yeah, it's pretty funny. It actually, um, it started, I was bored one day and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I miss being in a race car. I really, you know, enjoy dirt fish. And I actually went to team O'Neill a couple months after that. I looked into doing the, uh, I wanted to get into the R2s. I knew that and maybe doing JWRC and, that's when I kind of was in that transitionary period of, uh, you know, I need to make a career and stop spending money racing because it doesn't look like it's going to go very far <laughs> at this point. So um went to Team O'Neill and I uh, was going to just try to find, you know, an R1 car and just run it myself and figure it out because I had never really worked on cars. I just always had driven them and, you know, I knew suspension setups and stuff like that. But, um yeah, I, uh, I uh, went and rented a car from ODD just to try to get my feet wet before I could find a car to buy. And it kind of spiraled out of control really fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, which I'm sure that happens to a lot of rally racers. Yeah, but it certainly said, does. Go ahead. You said you um, started out with the, uh, with the dirt bikes. Now there is a correlation between people who dirt bike and then move on to rallies. So, um, you're following in a well-plowed, uh, well-plowed furrow. There, it's something to do with the control of the motorbike, the way the the way it translates into the controlling a rally car on 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 the rally stages. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I haven't ridden a dirt bike probably in I'd say 12 or 13 years. So, hopefully, I learned something and retained something when I was nine and ten. But, you know, it's just um, I don't know what it is at this point. I think I'm running off a lot of luck at this point. <laughs> So you start off with ODD, and you know those guys are a great crew. They got a great starter car there. Um, that's a limited two-wheel drive, I believe. You're driving. You know you're doing a fair, you know, good enough job. You know, kind of mid-pack, I think, in in your class there for a bit. But then you transition to McKenna and the true R2. 
that seems like it's a pretty big leap. Even though, I mean, you're kind of getting your basics with the with the limited two wheel drive, but I mean, that's a full spec sequential everything, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a proper built race car. I mean, the R1 is kind of the the best entry level car you could probably get into. I mean, that thing was bulletproof. We we demolished it in Oregon. I mean, what was that? I can't remember the name of that stage. I think it was Starvelt that just mm-hmm. is all, you know, two to three inch size boulders and we had no issues whatsoever. We ran it two or three times. So, um, and then the R2 is just the next progression from that, you know, proper transmission, turbocharged motor. Um, but I think, you know, to my knowledge, you know, stupid driver don't really know the specs of the car that well, but to my knowledge, the suspension's the same, you know, we ran the same wheels and tires and brakes and, but it just, you know, the transmission and the motor and that thing just made it, you know, that much further of a step above the R1. Was it easier to drive in some ways? Because, like I said, your performance was pretty outstanding at Ojibwe. So even though the, the card's just a step forward, it seemed like you made a leap, not a step. Yeah, I mean, it just, um, in in some aspects, yeah, just because it had, you know, it has, I think, I think the R1 only had about 100 horsepower and the R2 has close to 200. And um, just being able to go through gears, I mean, I rarely got into fourth or first gear in the R1. And, you know, you're shifting, you know, three or four gear changes in between each corner in the R2. So it just, um, it, it gets a lot more momentum. And those those um, two-wheel drive cars, you need a lot of, you know, minimum speed momentum going through the corners to get it to rotate because it has so much power on understeer so it is um definitely a little bit easier to keep the momentum going in the r2 well because I, I would like to put your um your improved rapid improvement there down to your co-driver being a co-driver myself but, oh my uh, gosh <laughs> what was what was it like uh working with uh rhiannon because rhiannon is she's top of the line and she has immaculate um preparation and detailed preparation so what was what was that like for you yeah it's been unbelievable so you know i forgot to mention at oregon my uh my co-driver is just a good buddy of mine and i said hey man let's go try this rally racing stuff out so he hopped on a flight with me to oregon and we actually missed recce so we drove blind the entire oregon Mm -hmm. race with you know organizer notes and then after idaho Ed McNeely, the guy who's the main crew chief for ODD Racing, is like, hey, you should go do a class with the Del Saminos. So, you know, because I had looked up trying to find co-driver class or um, just something specific to learn how to use pace notes and write your own pace notes. And um, so I went out to Idaho and trained with them for two days, and it just um, – it was a really big help. But, man, I realized how much learning I needed to do and <laughs> how far behind the curve I was. Um, so working with Alex and Rhiannon has been, um, just a unbelievable experience and how much knowledge and experience they bring to the table. You know, they've, they've, they've pushed my learning curve, you know, two or three times what it would be if I didn't have somebody like them. Yeah. I, so, um, I wondered what it was like for you. Cause I was trying to get hold of Rhiannon on like, uh, Friday morning and, you know, Friday is a, it's a late start. Yeah, there at Ojibwe, at Ojibwe, and I thought, oh, she's probably relaxing, relaxing before before the big day, before <laughs> the event. And yeah. uh, I messaged her, and she said, no, I'm going over my notes with Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, so coming from from a circuit racer background, you know, we analyze every single little detail, and 
and I do it almost to a fault now in rally, you know, like some of my notes will be driving and and she'll call a note and I'm thinking in my head, like, who do I think I am? I can't process all that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's definitely a work in progress, but. So you're getting a bit of carryover then from your circuit racing an analytical mind into into the rally work yeah definitely um like i said sometimes to a fault you know i try to get a little too detailed in my notes and have to take stuff out add stuff in where it should have been you know and i pay attention to uh you know some stuff that i shouldn't and it's actually funny like on the last stage right before we went to the super specials in ojibwe mm-hmm. you know i i just I kind of lost the notes and I just lost my focus and I thought I drove horribly on that stage and I got, got to the end and Rihanna's like, so how do you think you did? And I was like, Oh, it probably didn't go very well. And I think we went 20 seconds quicker than the, the stage before that, the time we ran it before it. So it's, um, definitely uh, a learning curve every single mm-hmm. time you go out there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So let's talk about Ojibwe specifically here. Um, First of all, it's one of my favorite events. Um, I love the roads just as a guy that's been able to go out as media and just wrecking them. Just I love the they've got a lot of flow to them. You know, you've got a lot of uh, cambered corners that kind of flow together and and you can link them. And just yeah, it it just undulations up and down. It's just got a little bit of everything. It's like a narrow Finland, but with softer, looser soil, I guess. If I was going to, you know, analogize it somehow weather was good we didn't have super high temperatures this time yeah mosquitoes were insane though oh dude come on <laughs> this was no this was fairly normal though, though, though i did see that i'm rather amusing video of amanda skelly like swatting swatting skeeters in her race suit but <laughs> i i mean i that mosquitoes love my english blood <laughs> and if i wasn't pestered with mosquitoes then it wasn't that bad and I really wasn't that bothered by mosquitoes at all. So I think it was, must have been fairly normal. It's just you foreigners, Mike, that you come, come from out of state and you, and you have a problem with them. Yeah, I didn't find them to be as bad as they were in uh, New England. The mm-hmm. mosquitoes in Neffer were terrible. Yeah, New England, there was the big flies, the big biting flies you had to worry about. But uh, what, what we noticed, though, is because you guys weren't actually back in the trees, you know, watching the cars right. go by. And that's mm-hmm. where all the mosquitoes were. They're staying in the shade. If you're stayed on the road where, you know, the open sun and all that stuff, they weren't around. You'd go literally one step into the woods, a bazillion mosquitoes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> they were pretty yeah. vicious because, yeah, they didn't even – they were biting through things. Um Thankfully, I didn't get hit too bad. But yeah, makes for a really uh, sticky weekend when you're covering yourself in DEET spray and whatnot. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, totally worth it because I love being out there on the stage and watching you guys do your thing. Um, uh, road conditions also looked good. You know, uh, looked like it wasn't too dry, too dusty, I guess I would say. It looks like I, I noticed that uh, at night the humidity was enough that it almost got like a little wet. And then, mm-hmm. you know, as the day went on, it, you know, dried up a bit. But it looked like uh, everything was kind of, I guess, pretty well packed down for at least the first runs. Is that what it seemed like for you guys? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, on Recce, we we got there right at, I think, 645 to the first stage. And it, uh, it was really damp. So um, after, the first couple st- after the first couple corners in the first stage, I realized it was a lot looser than I thought it was going to be. But, you know, it, it got a little rutted out towards the end of the day. 
um, mm-hmm. on both days. But you know, it had it it was um, better than I thought it was going to be for sure. But yeah, and we got onto the stages for recce later than you did, and uh, we could see things were like starting to to dry out. And I was yeah. actually at one point wondering if we were going to be talking about a dust minute at one point. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, the 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 breeze the breeze came up on uh, on Friday and Saturday, and it wasn't really much of a pr- that much of a problem that for, we didn't need a dust minute. Yeah, yeah. And Ian, did I hear that correct? Were you in that that sweet S10 that was out there? The rally truck, yes, oh, that's, that's mine. That thing was awesome. I didn't get oh, to we... come check it out. So, will you guys be at any of the other events this year? Uh, not, not any this year. No, I'm, I'm vacationed out now this year, so we have no more time. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty popular vehicle. A lot of people like it. I think people like something that's unique like that. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the the earlier guys of that truck actually had a NASCAR V6 in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, in, in its earlier version. Uh, now it's running uh, much more uh, timid, even though the thing's just still fun as hell to see ripping through the stages. Uh, yeah. What is it, running a 2.4 liter four-cylinder? 2.94 pot from a uh, Chevy Colorado. Okay. Oh. Yeah, but you should, you should, uh, Ryan, you should come over sometime and uh, and look at it because the exhaust at the back is a work of art. It really yeah. is. It actually uh, comes out through the bed, up on, yeah. above no the bed. Wow, it, that's yeah. awesome! Yeah, almost it's, like it's smokestacks and a diesel <laughs> truck. <laughs> it, yeah, but it's going horizontal down the bed, right? Instead of yeah, going vertical crazy. up, like yeah, it's it's a really unique design. Uh, the guy that came up with it just. It, it is. It's a beautiful looking truck, and it sounds good. It looks good, and and of course, uh, you guys like to fly through stages on it. So, um, yeah. other thing I wanted to mention uh, real quick: I got to actually do a little bit of ride along um, oh, and nice. and see what um, Recky was like. So it was my first time doing mm-hmm. Recky, like sitting in the back and observing the whole process with somebody. I mean, you see videos and stuff, but you're not kind of I don't know. The view's different, right? You just got this yeah. camera view, and uh cam and preston let me uh, kind of sit in the back of their recce truck and i just you know quiet as a mouse and just kind of just listened as they went along and what i really noticed which was really kind of cool is about oh see so about three miles in you know i got to understand or, or was able to predict he's going to call a three on that yes mm-hmm. indeed that was a three you know he's going to call yep. a four on that yep that's a four so i could actually see what he was seeing and yeah. it was just such a revelation to kind of start to understand the process, mm-hmm. you know, at least what's good for him. Now, yeah. what would be good for me is everything would be a two or a one. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, it, it is. It's it, 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 it's 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 a revelation when you when you can see that. It's like, um, yeah, it sounds like sounds like you're getting to where I was when I was at the Gelsomino's class. And I could like I was like getting to the stage where I could predict what Alex was going to tell me. So, yeah, it is. It's a it's a cool it's a cool feeling when you when you're getting that that awareness. Yeah. And you almost get synced up with whoever you're working with. And it's a weird feeling that you can't really describe to anybody who hasn't experienced it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what I also found interesting is uh, someone with their pace, and I started to understand this as well, like there's certain parts I'm like, gosh, wouldn't you want another bit of detail here, detail there? And then you start realizing at their speed, you can't have that much detail mm-hmm. because right. you, you, know, you wouldn't be able to process it in time before you're at that next corner. So really it's 
just talking corner corner and only if it's something you know it's like you got to break at a crest or something like that because of the corner that comes up after it or something are you gonna uh gonna have maybe that note in there but i mean it's if it's obvious and you can see it in front of you maybe you don't need a note for it and just focus on the corners mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it's um it's 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 crazy how much it changes from the different cars that you drive like even from the r1 to the r2 i've had to change so much change corner speeds take detail out and um, just because even with that little bit of a jump, we're going so much faster, and it just it changes how you process everything. Well, I must say it was a great start to the rally. Fifty uh, entries, I believe, started on uh, well, I guess kind of Thursday night. Started on Friday. Yeah. Uh, we had a little bit of a Thursday night super special thing that they did for the fans. It, it was it required for the national guys, not required for the regionals, but a bunch of regionals did it anyway just because they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it was a cool idea. Uh, but, uh, I think it was a little confusing at first on who got to do what, but, uh, I, I like the concept. The only challenge was, boy, after a long day of recce, you guys are suddenly having to go and hop in a car. And then you <laughs> yeah. got this long park expose that went till 10 at night. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long that day. A long day. <laughs> that definitely was. So if there was anything I would say is that. They could have ended that at nine, eight thirty, mm-hmm. something. Um, seemed, it seemed like the, the crowd was kind of dying down a little bit anyway. But I like the idea of what they did with the fans there, yeah. doing a little super special and try and draw people in. Yeah. Did absolutely. you did you notice like at on the stroke of ten o'clock, everybody's vehicles fired up and they were all ready to go. That's how <laughs> that's how much everybody wanted to be there. Yeah, no, it's yeah. because they were ready to go at nine. Yeah. <laughs> like come on already. Mm-hmm. Well, and Mike, I'm sure you saw it too with Preston and Cam. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing how taxing it is mentally and physically just doing recce and sitting in a rental car. You know, it just, I don't know about you guys, but after a day of recce, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to pass out and go to bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very taxing. Yeah. And for a small team like ours, I mean, it's like we, we managed a two pass recce of four of the six stages out there and then we had to come back and take the car to tech yeah and then we had to go and get something to eat yeah i was like we just ran out of time i mean it would have been fun to have gone to the uh to go to the super special and run that but we were just out of time and exhausted so yeah yeah that's a lot yeah when you don't have a you know when you are part of your crew you know to uh, you don't have a separate crew to take it to tech you know that's uh that's an additional challenge for sure. Yeah, and I wonder how they they plan to get around all that. You know, it's just it's it's something that I don't think a lot of people realize that there is a lot of grassroots racers, and the guys driving are the ones running their car and have to do every single thing for the race weekend. So I'm sure there's some scheduling things that can be done to help out there. Yeah, and and Ojibwe is just that added challenge of the fact that the you know the the host location is an hour and a half from the stages it's, yeah. it's a good yeah. long drive um but i love where they host it right i mean that area they've got it you know nice place to nice resort area to be in uh definitely draws in the people and there really isn't anything that could support i think you know as many teams and whatnot uh, as far as lodging and whatnot anywhere else yeah. so right yeah it's like you're kind of stuck like that but uh, yeah, it does make for definitely a long, long uh, weekend there of having to do that long drives back and forth. But um, yeah. 
So, yeah, day one, Friday, uh, you guys are getting all reared up. Now, I gotta ask you guys, what's it like when it does start so late? Because the first, you didn't, first car out was like at 2.55 or something in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So, there were six stages you were going to do, and you didn't start until at least three? That's a, <laughs> that's, that's, again, you got this, like, long night thing that you had let up, it, up to it. And then it's like, boom, go to bed, and you're like, okay, get up the next morning, get ready to go. Oh, wait, now we got to wait yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. What's that yeah. like for the nerves? Ian? Yeah, it's um, it's odd. It's very, very odd to like, be faced with such a leisurely start. Well, you didn't have a leisurely start to the day, obviously, Ryan, because um, of uh, working so hard with uh, Rhiannon, but... Yeah. Uh, no, it was, yeah, it is. It's weird to, like, get up and, oh, I'll just nip down to the coffee shop and have a cup of coffee. And, uh, you know, because uh, we, Scott and I also have a little bit of an advantage in that, you know, it's our local rally. We've been there so many times, you know. So it's like on on recce, when, when Rhiannon is, like, giving you directions back to Detroit Lakes... Right. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying to Scott, you know the way back, though, yeah. And then I'm <laughs> sat there in the passenger seat, t- tidying up my notes. You know, I'm gaining an hour's preparation time over everybody, everybody, everybody else, because just simply right. because my driver is so familiar and knows where he's going. So I, I was actually, I, I really was thinking, oh gosh, I really should be do- doing something, but. <laughs> Yeah, I'd done it in the truck on the way back from Recky. So, at, um, yeah, it's very, very odd, very, very weird. But it's uh, it's the way that uh, Ojibwe has always run, I think. You know, they've already always started late in the afternoon. Really? And then, historically, they've gone on into the night. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember when day one finished, finished cl- we finished close to midnight. I think it was about quarter to 12 when we finished Oh my gosh! Wow. Way. The first year I did it, which was like four years ago, mm-hmm. we finished a way out by Nevis, which is like an hour an hour from Detroit Lakes, and we we were one of the last cars coming coming out of the forest, and so it was about quarter to midnight. So we we get it, we get in, we hand the time card in, we uh, sort everything out, and then we have to drive an hour back to uh, to Detroit Lakes. So it's getting to one o'clock. Mm-hmm. when when you get to your hotel wow yeah. and then <laughs> then then you've got to think of, then you have to think about the volunteers because my wife yep. was working the final time control that day so she had to wait for everybody to come in wow. she didn't get back to the hotel room until two o'clock in the morning yep. so gotta clean up the stage got to do all the things yeah. mm-hmm. so i mean night rallying is awesome i mean there's nothing to beat night rallying but there are just so many logistical issues with yeah, the volunteers and all that so stuff. And it's hard. Yeah. yeah. But I will say that David Higgins said the same thing. I was talking to him and he's like, we need more night stages again. Yeah. Uh, he wants yeah. to have those back uh, because it is, it is just such a, a neat thing when you can do it. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to get the, the people to stay out there that late. Uh, but then again, in this case, you know, you have a rally that starts it. And I believe, if I heard this right, the rally starts so late on Friday because 
that's when they can get the permits to start. They can't start mm-hmm. them earlier oh, in that wow. day because yeah. it's an active forest uh, logging area up until, you know, a certain yeah. time. And so uh, I think that has something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, <laughs> it's it's something I haven't gotten to experience yet. I haven't done a night stage. Um, I think PIR is probably the closest thing I got to a night stage. I think we actually, no, I take that back. It got a little dark with the tree coverage at Ojibwe, so I turned my lights on, but you know, it didn't really do anything. I just wanted to pretend like I was driving at night. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not used to that um, waiting around stuff. You know, usually it's always an early start whenever I'm at a racetrack or getting to drive a race car. So that was interesting. A lot of um, not anxiety, but just ready to get going. You know. <laughs> So day one had the uh, you know the the first loop of stages there finished off with the the third stage being the one with the infamous crossroads jump with the big Red Bull arch, and they had a jumbotron there with where they were filming everybody going across and showing that to the crowd. Oh, that's cool. Did you guys flat out just send it, or were you a little bit reserved on that first run? Absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> It's so fun jumping a car, but man, it's so foreign to me. I uh, I definitely was a little timid at that jump for sure. The the one on is it Otter Kill? I think it was that we ran three times that jump. Yeah. That one I finally got comfortable running flat out, but that that one was pretty terrifying because it looks like you need to go to the right, but if you go to the right, you land in the ditch. But if you don't go far enough right, you're in a the apex of the left hander. So it was pretty tricky. I don't know about you guys, Ian, but I uh, was a little timid on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, sure, Scott won't mind me saying that because uh, he's he's said this often enough already. He wussed out on the first pass yeah. of uh, of stagecoach of crossroads jump, and I checked the uh, I checked the telemetry on me uh, on my rally computer, and yeah, just before he hit the takeoff point, there's just like this little blip in the th- as he came as he came off the throttle, so we. Uh, so, but on the second time round, he uh, he did go for it. I think the first time he wasn't lined up where he wanted to be perfectly, so he just yeah. held off it slightly. But the second time he uh, second time he put the foot to the floor and went through it. Because so, uh, also, the stagecoach was act- for us. It was actually in the daylight there. I mean, we're on the second pass because yeah. it's run. It's it has run later, and we've been. I've been yeah. through stagecoach in the dark and just in the last twilight. Year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a twilight last year, I think. Uh, depending on uh, how far down the order you were. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. So I think it was twilight for us last year, but uh, that year I ran with Adam Van Dam. We it was it was full on dark when we went wow. over that the, the second time. So, and that was a little bit a little bit uh nerve wracking. That's so. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why those notes are so important, but uh so second time through, did you feel a little more comfortable on the on the crossroads, or did you still kind of like I said, you just kept it reserved until the until you got to Otterkill on the next day? Yeah, I mean, I I pushed it a little bit harder, but I mean, what can you really? How much can you actually gain from sending that jump? Not not yeah. much. Maybe maybe a half a half a second to a second. So, and uh, it wasn't worth it to me. I pushed mm-hmm. and wanted to focus on a lot of other things besides just sending it off that jump which would have been really cool but um i like my answer of i was just trying to learn and do pace notes versus 
jumping a car and trying to whistle. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then figuring choice. out what breaks, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to figure that exactly. out. Um, you know, some of the, the top guys obviously going through there. Um, I think actually the longest jump was that side-by-side. Uh, he, he just went flat out because I'm power to weight ratio, that little thing. Look at that suspension travel too. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. not a car. I mean, that, that's just be real. It's a buggy, but, uh, kind of fun to see that out there just kind of as a, almost like an exhibition. Uh, th- those guys look like they were having a really good time all weekend. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I saw some footage of uh, I saw some footage of it jumping the jump on Otterkill, I think is what it was, and and um, it's crazy. They have to have like thirteen to fourteen, fifteen inches of travel. Yeah, it's it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Plus, they had very large tires on it. We've had out west some of the guys running side by sides. They actually used rally tires. Um, really? on wow. on their side by side. Part of it because uh, and it made it sit a little lower and uh, for a little bit lower center of gravity and also the way that the sidewalls are so strong for sliding yeah. it through the corners uh, was kind of the idea behind it so um and i think rotational mass is different because you got this big huge tire rotating you know versus the the smaller one i think that was uh, something about control and balance for that but um yeah it was uh, definitely interesting to see this i mean that one was fully like he was going to go full on off-roading and out there yeah. competing on these stages so but yeah i think they ended up flying the farthest i think they didn't have uh, measurements out this year which is kind of too bad i liked it when they had uh, little distance marks but then again they had too big a ones last year where it's like you couldn't even see the car in the picture because the distance markers were too big so uh, find uh, some sort of balance on the right size but uh always fun to be there and do that uh was supposed to do some commentary for the jump but they had forgotten the microphones uh, oh, for man. us to do that so uh, we ended up uh, only doing the final super special for that uh, live uh, commentary thing. So uh, ended up missing out on that a little bit, but uh, went out to uh, talk to the guys. They came through in service and at the end of the stage and whatnot for a bit. So that was kind of cool. Uh, Pastrana, he ended up having issues right away, unfortunately. So we were hoping he'd kind of battle David a little bit closer. But, well, uh, you know, I think Travis just doesn't have the, well, he doesn't get the seat time. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's the thing. You've got to have the seat time. You've got to have the familiarity with the car you're driving, haven't you? You've got to have full. You've got to. It's like all right. It's because when was the last time he drove? It was like last year. Sometime. No, it wasn't. It was. It was uh, Oregon, right? Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so he's only doing like... two rounds. It was Oregon yeah. Trail and then uh, Ojibwe. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's something I haven't really been able to to grasp and rally is you know whenever we go to a tractor race we'd get two three hours sometimes to practice before we go and actually race and we're practicing the same you know 15 16 17 corners it's not like they're <laughs> we're driving on the nurburgring where we need to memorize you know a seven eight mile track mm-hmm. so it's um you know we we did the the little five the five mile um sh- uh, they called it a shakedown but it was it was a proper test from what i was told you know, I haven't done any testing in a rally car before, but I mean, that was crucial in spending that two hours learning a brand new car. So I can't imagine guys like Travis who just get to do a couple events a year having to jump in and drive a car like that Subaru. Yeah, it's 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 pretty impressive just how fast he can be still, um, you know, when he's out of the seat as much as he is. Right. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, he he's totally willing to push, though, and, and gives it all that he can. I think he had a puncture, I think, on the second stage, 
and then on the third stage is pat his power steering go out so that oh, man. Uh, his arms were a little bit sore from that but you know still made it to the uh, end of that first loop and was able to get it patched up and was trying to crawl his way back a little bit but then david just put the pressure on and well it, there was no catching david at that point I mean, yeah it's just yeah <laughs> um <laughs> Barry McKenna also, you know, just after Travis had his issues, I think he kind of relaxed a little bit and like, you know what, I can probably stay here in second if I just stay steady and uh, did a really good job. What was really cool, though, is Barry brought over one of the co-driver from Ireland who had never competed here in the States. And, you know, uh, one thing that I'm really enjoying is that he's got those R5s and other cars that, you know, this, you know, he's bringing over the concept that they have in Europe where, there's these outfits that you can just arrive and drive and it's up, you know, he's got a proper crew and this guy that's uh, the co-driver from over there, uh, James, uh, I forgot his last name. Um, James Fulton. Thank you. Yep. He freaking co-drives for the Moffat brothers. (laughs) And (laughs) if, if, if you ever look up Irish rallying, just, just look up the, the Moffat brothers and they run older WRC cars and the like, and they are, stupid fast on narrow broken tarmac irish roads that if you go off it, it it's scary it, it takes some serious bravery to drive like these guys do and uh to have him come over and see our stuff and be super impressed going holy shit what you guys have here is cool that was that was pretty cool feeling yeah definitely he had nothing but positive things to say about the whole experience so it was pretty cool yeah, great job by uh, Barry and uh, kind of keeping it steady for the weekend. Um, one thing I did want to talk about, though, with day one is I was looking up a little bit of stats here. And, well, you won every single stage versus Eric. Every yeah. single one. So I'm like, I give all the credit to the Gelsominos from, from teaching <laughs> me how to how to read the uh, like that. But, but, I mean, so stage three. Okay, seven seconds faster. That's pretty close. That's pretty well tied. Stage four. 23 seconds faster stage five 39 seconds faster you're over a minute ahead in the first loop yeah putting me on blast man (laughs) stage six 10 seconds faster okay again that stage it's a it's a short fast one i can see that you guys staying pretty close but then stage seven 18 seconds faster stage eight 23 seconds faster stage nine uh the next day 38 seconds faster I mean, it just goes on and on. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's like you found another gear. I shocked myself, too. I wasn't ex- I, I, my whole goal was to finish. And then we ran a couple, you know, the, the uh, on the super specials. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I couldn't really tell much by then. But then we had that first stage. I'm like, all right, well, if we can get a podium, that'll be cool. So uh, it definitely went better than planned. <laughs> Were you looking at the times? Um, I mean... I'm a race car. I, I I drive race cars. I gotta compete. I gotta look at stuff. <laughs> I love it. I you love know? it. <laughs> um, Ian, uh, tell us about your competition uh, for that first day. Who are you battling against? Uh we were battling against uh, um, Paul Johansson and uh, Susie Little there in the uh, Tiburon. I mean, we knew we weren't going to ca- catch them really, but there was the um, Ryan. George and and his uh, wife Heather, they were they were they were pushing us quite hard quite hard in their BMW for for a lot of uh, 
for a lot of day one. Yeah, but there's uh, that's that, that's who we were. That's who we were battling against. So, moving into day two, the roads are a little bit different character. We move a little bit farther to the west. What was the stage? Was it that otter kill stage, the one that you guys are really focusing on on day two? Uh, no, well, Scott hates otter kill. I, I mean, I don't like otter kill at all i don't like otter kill scott hates it but there's something about otter kill it's it's so tight it's so twisty you can't really can't really get a pace going you know it's right three left three fifty left three forty right three crest left three forty it's you oh so it's idaho yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's uh, you know there's really very little time to get any um to get a get a, a real pace going so yeah and we have i've always had an issue i don't know whether it's like whether it's the tree cover or or what it is but uh, on on recce our uh, our gps wouldn't uh, wouldn't give us a wouldn't give me any distances and that's yeah. ha- that's not that's not the first time that has happened to me on Otterkill. I've had I've had problems with GPS and stuff and stuff like that before. So it's it's a really tough stage to to do. So I definitely would not put that at the top of my list for sure. Yeah, we had the same problem with our GPS units too. I had I think I had a straightaway because I'd measure all my straights with a with a GPS just for precision and takes one more thing out of my guessing that I have to do. And I had a straight. I probably had like 120 meters straight at like 30 or something. So we got Rihanna and I got lost at one point because I kept on on the first pass you went through there. I changed maybe 30% of my notes while we were racing. We got a little lost (laughs) because they were a little inaccurate, but um, yeah, it, it was hard to catch up back to where we were because our GPS units weren't picking up the correct distances. Oh, that's good to know we weren't the only one. I feel a lot better about that now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah but uh, I mean, you, you did mention the uh, the otter kill jump earlier, and that was actually, that was cool. I mean, it was a bit terrifying to start with the first time you hit it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You, you, because you do see the little warning tri- pink warning triangle somebody had put by the side of the road there, and it really does look like the uh, the brow the brow of that hill drops off really quite rapidly. And yeah, so it really it does. Was a, it really was quite uh, quite a little bit nerve-wracking there. But, oh, so just did you... I, I, don't, I don't know how intent you were on your driving, but there was a clearing about like, maybe a halfway through the stage, and uh, there were some fans stood there, and I swear one was wearing an outside adult diaper. <laughs> and there was four or five guys there cheering everybody along. And it's just like, ah, oh, did I really see what I just saw? Yeah, no, that's awesome. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if a rally fan was out there wearing that. But no, I didn't see that. I wish I would have. <laughs> it's funny that you say that about the markers, though, because the first time I, I you know, on recce, I just put big jump. I didn't think anything of it. It looked yeah. fine. And then I saw those markers. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do I need to do here? I don't know what's going on. So I was really timid on it the first time by. And then I just realized I think they were just trying to let people know there was going to be yeah. a jump. And it's funny because I talked to Cam after that stage, Cam Steely, and he said the same thing. He's like, I didn't 
go full throttle because of those little markers that were there. Yeah. And there was there was another warning triangle like that a bit further down the yeah, stage. There was. And oh, that was followed immediately by a tight right three, wasn't it? Or something like that. And there was a drop off outside. Yeah, and so it was could... an off camber one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I could see them having the warning there. But uh, yeah, I don't know whether the uh, first one there was a warning there. Just maybe, maybe it was just like for the photographer's benefit, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Because but we're getting we're getting some good pictures on that jump. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's some great shots out there. Uh, many a photog knew where to go and uh, mm. got some good shots in there. That's for sure. Did you guys see the one of Barry and his car? Um, on Otter Kill? On Otter Kill, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. You're looking at oh, the right. side yeah. of the car, aren't you? Rather than... <laughs> Seriously, you're looking at skid plate. All skid yeah. plate. <laughs> yeah, that's very. <Barry. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the suspension on that thing. I've actually gone for a ride in that car, and it is otherworldly. Yeah. What is the suspension travel in those world cars and the Subarus and stuff? That's I've never even known. Good question. I, I think Barry's car has a little bit more than the Subarus do. The Subarus sit so low. You know, right. they just don't quite have the same travel as his car. Right. Um, I, I swear you'd measure it in feet, not inches, though, and the way it feels. Right. <laughs> yeah, because I said that about the, the, the side-by-sides, and I just assume, because you, you don't see the suspension travel on those world cars unless it's in the air like that, whereas exactly. those side-by-sides, you can see, you know, the entire shock body itself. So I'm sure they probably have similar similar travel. Yeah, I'm guessing it's a little less, but probably not a a huge difference, to be honest. Because yeah, there's yeah. a lot of travel that's capable on those, uh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, you know, especially yeah, especially with a proper setup like that. So uh, I guess one thing I want to say is that uh, Ian, going back to you, um, Scott had a little bit of an off from what I remember seeing you guys going into the first service. Uh, there was some signs of some shrubbery uh, in the uh, front of the uh, truck there, but it was not on the co-driver's side. Uh-huh. No, no. Uh, oh, that was the infamous Anka Matson. Now, Anka Matson is... It's a fast stage. I mean, it's like... Uh, it starts off like 200 left 5... 300 left five 400 right five and then 200 and then there's a sharp left three i mean you can really put the pedal to the metal down there and yeah when we got to the um the, the left three at the end there scott was a little bit uh slow in uh scrubbing the power off and uh we got a in motorcycle parlance we got an almighty tank slapper as we came out of the uh of the uh, left three there and we kind of like ended up between two trees now i mean the trees were just like the right width apart for the front of the truck to just like rest between them which was which is like the biggest piece of luck you're ever going to get so, so you're uh, able to just drive yeah, between just... the trees to get out no we just like slammed it into reverse and uh and got uh. out back on the trail but uh yeah it was uh it was it was it was a fairly innocuous sort of sort of off, but uh, you know the trees were just that width to give us a little bit of a bump on either side, and yeah, we took a little bit of shrubbery with us. So. But that was that was really our only. I think that was our only uh, incident on the two days. Did you have any uh, pucker moments, shall we say, <laughs> Ryan? 
Yeah, we had, I think it was a, it was a three left into a three right. And I just came into the three left way with way too much speed, rotated. And instead of looking where I wanted to go to the right, I looked straight at the ditch that we went into. And where it was his eyes go, the, the car goes. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Target fixation, perfect example. But uh, it was scary, too, because my um, on the uh, sequential gearbox, they have that, I don't know what it's called, but the, the safety switch so you can't go into neutral whenever you're shifting down. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't working, and I couldn't get the car into neutral whenever we were driving on the on the uh, transits and going to the start boxes and stuff. So, but thankfully out of some, somebody was watching out for me cause it worked no problem, got into reverse and got out. But I think that was the only moment that I can think of. There probably was something else, but don't remember. Well, one thing that the Ojibwe stages are notorious for is the fact that it's a, like that soft sandy soil that can start to rut up, especially on that second pass. Um, you know, I'm used to seeing some of the, cars farther back especially the rear wheel drive ones full-on rooster tail coming out um getting the control um i was talking with uh kiana erickson chang and she was saying that uh, you know having some of the confidence in some of those rutted areas at high speed was kind of a little bit difficult for her um i guess what was it like for you guys after that going into that second pass especially a third pass maybe on otter kill i don't know mm-hmm. if that one rutted out as much but uh, there's some of them out there that i mean i saw some videos of some some pretty soft areas out there yeah definitely i mean we uh kiana and i did the test at the same time and i mean just after two or three passes and some of the 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 higher speed sixes and fives there were some deep ruts and it really threw the car all over the place so um i think i kind of held back a little bit on stage i didn't feel it as as crazy as i did in the test but um it definitely was not confidence inspiring Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. I think we we have a little bit of a advantage in the truck in that we've got a little bit. Of, all right, not a little bit. We've got quite a bit more clearance yeah. than than everybody else. So uh, you'd have you'd have to ask Scott what it's like to be driving around that. But I'm always amazed that uh, when you pull up to the start line. Of, of a stage it's particularly like Otterkill on the third the third pass and you can see how much it is churned up as you get a, when you try and get away from there so yeah and what I found what was pretty wild and it might just be the the R2s and the R1s but the the um you know the 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 width that the the track width of the car is pretty narrow compared to a lot of the other cars yep. that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's such a fine line to stay in the rut or come out of the rut and just find the grip or completely slide it off the, the trail. So it's pretty interesting. You know, this is something in uh, the UK there's been apparently years ago, and they're looking at maybe going back to it, is they're actually starting some of the historics, which are usually the narrow track cars and some of the other cars, basically kind of doing a reverse order because the ruts get so bad for the people that are just trying to afford to go rallying, especially, you know, you got the, you know, your grassroots guys that can, you know, over there, it's all homologated cars. So they're in an R1 or whatever, and they're just trying to make it through the stage. Their car's just getting beat to shit because it's been just so dug out and they can't follow the line. That would be the traditional racing line because of the wider track, more powerful cars, uh, the R5s and stuff that are in front of them. So they're actually looking at, 
reversing that order, um, which is kind of interesting. You'd have to have much bigger gaps, though, and the stages take longer to run because you don't want anybody to ever catch somebody on a stage. So, yeah. uh, But it's a different philosophy they have uh, that they've run before. Like I said, right now they're doing it like we do it, but there's talk about going back the other way because there's people that have basically quit. They're like, I'm damaging my car too much, and they've had you know a number of competitors just drop out and say, until you guys change the rule, we're not going out there. Yeah. So. Did you guys see um... – I don't know if you're familiar with Chase Havinga, but did you see the video of him? I mean, he was he was going through like a like a left five or something, and came around into the straightaway, and because the ruts were so deep, it grabbed the lip of his skid plate and mm-hmm. ripped the skid plate, and oh, did it folded yeah. it in half. Yeah, it tacoed the whole thing. Yeah, and it's crazy. the amount of force that it needed to do that, and of course, it took half the front end of his car with it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that—that's what caused his DNF, and which was really unfortunate. And uh, uh, yeah, I got—you uh, know—got to talk to him a little bit before they left uh, after that service. And oh man, that—that that thing was just totally destroyed. They—they they tried everything they could to try and bend that thing straight too, and it's like it, it's a proper thick skid plate. I mean, yeah. there was no bending <laughs> that straight without. You know, no a press or something. <laughs> yeah, it, it needed some serious work. Uh, so, uh, oof. Yeah, that was brutal. And yeah, right. That was just him. Just you know, the car's not as high off the ground, and it just kind of dug down and just caught that lip and yeah. just ripped it apart. Oof, brutal. Um, not as brutal though as Jeff Seahorn's off. Mm. <laughs> Jeff Seahorn <laughs> is the one that decided to. Uh, cause a stage to be uh, delayed by quite a bit because he went off, hit a tree, and then had the tree fall down in the stage. Oops. <laughs> Can't make yeah. that one. Well, you know, go big or go home. Um, or actually, I guess he went big and still went home. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That'll I, I love Jeff. Uh, you know, he's he pushes all the time, even when he doesn't need to because he just that's just his pace. He's just a wicked quack, quick driver. And, uh, unfortunately, I guess he was saying that he took a, tried to do a little bit uh, wider entry into a corner. And I guess it's kind of like getting in the marbles, which, uh, from your circuit racing, you'd know that. And it just was all loose stuff on that outside. So we went to turn in the car basically just didn't turn, just slid off, tagged a tree and then spun around and, yeah, it uh, it got munchy crunchy. So um, the unfortunate thing was there was some issues with figuring out what was going on, the stage being stopped, but nobody knowing what was going on for a while, which was kind of confusing. I guess eventually it got figured out and folks got it cleaned up and uh, you guys got to uh, transit through the stage, I think it was what it was, or did you guys get to no, run the stage? No, no we, ran, we ran the stage. That was yeah. the second running of Otterkill, I think you're talking yep. about. And uh, yep. yeah, yeah, we were all just stood around in a, in a state of confusion. All we knew that was Jeff Seahorn had hit a tree and uh, I, thought, I thought Peter Patella was involved in there somewhere, but... Uh, but no, we were just stood around waiting and, and waiting. And that's when I knew that the mosquitoes weren't bad because I was not being pestered by mosquitoes then. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, it was, we waited, what was it? It was 40 minutes, maybe an hour Yeah, that, something uh, like that, that things were held up there. So, But yeah, they 
they cleared the tree and then they had to run car. I mean, part of the problem was they had to bring the uh, bring the zero car around again to run the state run run through the stage for safety purposes. So I think yeah. we were waiting for a zero car as well, which is the right choice. You yeah, know? Um, from an organizer standpoint, you mm-hmm. can't leave the stage cold that long. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that they did that. I saw a video on Instagram the other day of I think it was it was somewhere in the UK. <laughs> These guys were driving flying down a down a stage and all of a sudden they come around a corner and there's a there's a tractor trailer in the middle of the road and they barely missed it. <laughs> so that, that was that was fun. Higgins, wasn't it? That was, yeah, it was a tractor. Was really? Higgins yeah. was a tractor, an actual oh. tractor tractor, not tractor trailer, but uh uh-huh. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he was uh, on it a stage tractor, in the UK. Yep, and he just barely avoided a tractor that was on the road because some, some locals think they own the road uh, in some places <laughs> of the world you go to. And uh, uh, it's closed for a reason, not, not even just for a minute. You can't get across because yep. there could be a car coming at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Oh, boy. I had but... no idea that, that was David. That's awesome. <laughs> not awesome, but I'll have to ask him about that next time I see him. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think that was probably some of the biggest drama was that and actually the last running of uh, Otter Kill as people were heading back to uh, do the super special. There were a few offs there. But in general, I think we had a, a, a pretty good finish rate. You know, the attrition is mm-hmm. always a thing with rally. It's an endurance sport. We all know that. Um, so we had 50 people start uh, the rally on Friday. 43 restarted on Saturday. So there were some people that had issues and ended up being able to come back. Um, so that's pretty good. And then you get, uh, 38 total finish the rally. So 25% attrition. That's actually pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 if I remember right, that's pretty average, uh, 25 to 30% because just anything from just mechanicals to, you know, damage on the stage, um, th- that seems about right to me. So I, I was yeah. pretty pleased with seeing that in the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot better than Colorado. I think what did over 50% of the people DNF. I think at that yeah. race, it was brutal. Yeah, I heard that one's that one's tricky. Um, everybody loves the roads there, but uh, you know, uh, who was it I was talking with? Um, I think it was Karen Jankowski was telling me that it's just a really hard one to recce because you don't have any landmarks. Oh, it was, uh, it was Michelle Miller from yeah. Deerfish. She was saying it's just like there's just no landmarks there, and so when you're trying to figure out, you know, the the notes for the roads, it, it's just really hard to get it just right. And yeah. you're having to update your notes quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just mentioned Karen, Karen Jankowski. So I've got to, I've got to thank Karen because uh, we were. It was Friday, and we were at the start. We were waiting to go out on uh, to start the days, to start the day stages, and uh, they were going out behind. They were the car behind us, I think they were, and uh, she came up to me and she said, Ian, what have you got for a start time? And I said, well, I've got this. And she says, well, don't forget that the first two, the first two, three cars, they've got like a two-minute gap. I said, have they? Yeah, I totally... Always. You know, I've been, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, I've been running... My last two, three events have been regional, and we don't have the big boys there, so we're always on a minute. Yeah, you know, oh, right, right. I didn't have to. I, I was so used to not thinking about the minute, the extra minute for the uh, for Higgins and Pastrana and who who else was it? Was it Higgins, Pastrana, and uh, and uh, McKenna. McKenna. Yeah, McKenna. Yeah. So I, was so one minute that, after that, that my, that my out time was like totally, totally wrong, wrongly calculated. So 
big thanks to Karen there for putting me right on that. But it didn't matter anyway because we were because somebody didn't make didn't make the start, so they called us in anyway. Called us in early anyway. So, but uh, Karen was <laughs> Karen was there and she was on the ball and uh, we were doing our maths and she put me straight. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> There you go. That's the rally spirit for you. Everybody yeah. helping everybody out. Yeah, for real. It's it's something that I've experienced since the first event that we ran. It's just everybody's just so excited to be involved in this sport and get other people involved. It's a it's a really cool atmosphere that um, you know, rally in America has. I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but it's pretty cool. It seems to be kind of the going thing because, I mean, as it was put to me, it's like you're you're battling the elements and the conditions as much as you're battling against your rivals. And, you know, everybody wants to beat each other out on the stages and not by somebody getting a calculation yeah. error or yeah. something like that. For sure. So, For sure. Um, granted, when you get into probably where, you know, there's real dollars involved and, uh, you, you know, you're in a in a sponsored championship, you know, like they got Opal Cups and things like that over there in Europe – I, I can imagine it's a little bit different, but yeah. uh, for the most part, everybody wants to help everybody out, and uh, yeah. it's it's really really what I love about the sport, and that's really what sucked me in. And uh, I'm I'm sure that there wasn't a lot of uh, people giving out pointers and stuff like that when you're in the uh, Pro Mazda. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But uh, I mean, exactly. you know, you're fighting for hundredths of a second, tenths mm -hmm. of a second there, and it's just um, and there's you know there's only so many seats and so many guys that get to go on to the next level and um it's just pretty cutthroat but it is what it is yep yep competition so so was there a moment when you're out there on the stages ryan that you were convinced that you had the rally one in your class you're like i've got this i can back off or were you just still just kind of always improving and kind of pushing yourself throughout the whole thing um yeah, no, there there definitely was no comfortable moments. I mean, I, I'm I'm really just focused on trying to better my notes because I just have such little experience in it, and I uh, I don't have because of circuit racing and kind of you know we were we never did pit stops or anything. Well, we did in the I did a couple sports car races in in the Le Mans Prototype Challenge class, but other than that, it's been you know full on 110 percent every lap that you can drive in a race car. So I really just uh, didn't really worry too much about the result and just really wanted to focus on getting my notes better and trying to fix everything that I possibly could for the next event. So, um, What about you, Ian? Were uh, you just constantly being pushed by uh, those around you, or did you guys find a moment where you're like, okay, last stage, let's be safe on this one or anything? Or were you guys uh, both kind of I pushing a little bit? We were, I think we were fairly... By the end of by the end of Friday, I think uh, we were fairly confident that we were we were in the position that we were going to be in, and we were going to stay there. If if we stayed on the road, we were gonna we were going to stay there. I mean, don't like to admit this because Susie Little was my um, was my mentor and got me first started, but I did kind of like wish a little bit that they maybe got a flat tire. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> But no, no, that they were like a minute or so a stage a stage faster than us, so it was going to be it was going to it was going to take a lot for us to catch them. But no, so for for most of uh, for most of Saturday, we were we were happy to be where we were, and we were like I say, we were we were 
As I say, Scott and I have a, haven't been well. That was it. We started working together at Ojibwe last year, so this was like this was like the first, this is the end of our first year together. So we are like still getting to know each other and working together. So uh, we were happy that we were very very happy to be where we were. So, do you guys have a favorite stage? Mm. Ian, I gotta think about that. One. <laughs> You got to think, well. It's, the thing is, with like, with the Jibway, is that uh, there are so many trails out there that uh, part of, and there's these these trails all link up. You know that. Uh, the, right. The so one, it might be part you, of you one. Be, yeah. You'll be on a section of. They say one year you'll be on a section of refuge, at the refuge trail, and then you'll run into spur two. Or you'll go, you'll go into spur one and then up, then up spur two, and uh, so there's, oh, you, 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 and sometimes you're running them one way, sometimes you're running them the other. So there's lots of little bits of road that I like, and you know I recognise them when when you're coming, coming into them. At, uh, so it's difficult to say, but I really, I really enjoyed the first stage on Friday, um, West Gulch. Yeah. Because that had the uh, the really sharp delta and and the hairpin there by the uh, by the spectator area, and I, I I enjoyed going around that. I think Scott enjoyed going around that and getting all throwing the tail around for the people on the spectator banking there. I mean that was a that was a fun stage, and it was a nice easy stage to uh, to ease you into the rally as well. Yeah, that that that's kind of exactly what I was thinking. You know, I, when we got done with that, I was, thought the same thing. Like that was a perfect warm up stage, but at the same time, I think I giggled for about a minute, minute and a half straight because I just had so much fun. I mean, it was it was <laughs> I awesome. love that <laughs> so fun. I mean, it's just it, it it's an indescribable feeling. <laughs> well, yeah, speaking, yeah, there was what. Woptus, Woptus on Saturday, which ends with that like three quarters of a mile straight that's like 50 crest, 50 crest, 150 long crest, 250 crest. And um, that, that's quite the experience. You can like get the pedal yeah. to the metal there and fly over some of those longer crests. And that, that was a fun section of road as well. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. I remember thinking, like, okay, where's the corner coming? When are, when are we going to have to turn? When am I going to have to break? But it just kept going and kept going. Yeah. And the corner was only like a left five, so it wasn't much to the corner right. anyway. Right, it? right. Wow, that's, that takes some bravery when you're dealing with just constant flat-out straight. And, yeah, it's blind with that crest, so you just got to have faith in that note that, okay, the corner's coming eventually. Keep going, keep going. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, new experiences and whatnot, um, what was it like getting up on that top step of that podium, Ryan? First time. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good. It was pretty fun. Um, I, uh, got drenched in champagne and even Eric stuck the bottle into my face and it got into my eyes and <laughs> my eyes were burning. I kind of, <laughs> it completely stopped my brain from working whenever you grabbed me over there to come say some words. So, but, um, yeah, it's, it's always a good feeling. You never know when you're not going to get to do that again. So you got to cherish every moment mm -hmm. that you have like that. Yeah. And it was, it was cool for the, it was really cool for the regional guys as well to get on the podium. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thanks, thanks Mike for, 
being there and doing the regional podiums. But, you know, it's like, I mean, it's like we've talked about this before with the champagne spraying at, uh, at um, headwaters. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we we compete on the we regional guys compete on the same roads as the national guys, not as fast, but we're doing the same thing. We're putting our we're doing we're getting the same experiences, and you know, it's great to be treated in the same way. You know, and yeah, it was really it was it was really cool to be stood on the second step of the podium. I mean, I've seen pictures of me, and I've got like a stupid big grin on my face <laughs> <laughs> because I was just. Because that was just another cool motor racing experience, you know. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton has stood on on the second step of a podium. I've stood on the second step of a podium, and it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so is go. that not normal for the regionals? Do they not do an, a podium normally? Because we got in the podium in Idaho and Oregon, and they right. had a. So it depends on the event. Yeah. Okay. So um, the last event that I was at with Ian was Hundred Acre Wood. And they did, the regionals had a separate little celebration that they did, like in a tent that was away from uh, where the national podiums were. That's kind of their choice to do that. Um, Some events, they like to use the podium. I mean, we bring the podium out, and it's for everybody to use if they want to. But some events choose to do things differently, so we kind of let them do that. Um, And that's the event organizers that mm -hmm. kind of, decide all exactly that. And, okay. and it's the same all is right. true with the champagne um in uh you know in, in some events the regionals will get champagne because the local organizers will pay for that champagne okay now as far as for the nationals it is required it is written in the in, in the regulations for the for the organizers they're required right. to buy champagne for nationals for regionals okay. it's their choice they can do yeah. nothing at all they can do beer instead they can do whatever for regionals do what you want yeah, but yeah. for nationals, it has to be champagne. So mm-hmm. everyone seems to want to do it a little bit different. Um, I believe at Oregon we had regionals had champagne as well. I'm trying to remember. I think I we can't did. Rem- I know we got those cool custom beers. <laughs> yes. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. But I'm, Yeah, the force <laughs> majeure lager. Every- yeah, everybody's holding up the uh, their trophy and the beer in the in a podium photo, and I'm the only one, and I'm just staring at my beer. I'm staring. At it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell is this? Oh, this is it's so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and those guys that uh, yeah, I think I think uh, Nikki Nikki Nelson had something to do. I think. Oh, sorry. Uh, I say, I think, yeah, I think Nicky Nelson had something to do with the uh, fact that the regional guys got onto the podium there at Ojibwe, and uh, Nikki is uh, Nikki is super. She really looks out for the uh, regional guys, and uh, she was the, she's the one who's behind the champagne spraying at uh, headwaters and everything. So Nikki Nikki looks after us, so we we really appreciate her. Yeah, and just appreciation for anybody who's involved in an event anywhere. I cannot imagine how much organization goes into one of these events. I mean, <laughs> it's just something I was totally new to. I mean, circuit racing, you you pay it, the, the series and the uh, organizers pay a fee to go use a track and we all show mm-hmm. up. You know, it's this is um, this is next level planning and logistics that these people have to deal with. You know, if if you ever get the opportunity that, you know, you're yeah, you have to DNF early for whatever reason or something like that go out and ex- do some volunteering or, or be out yeah. there and just sit mm-hmm. side by side. Somebody at a stop control or something like that and kind of experience what they do. Um, it, it is, 
a different group of people that are amazing. And yeah. I mean, that that's one of the reasons why I got involved. I've, I've been a volunteer and now an organizer for gosh, what, eight years now. And it, the, the, some of them are in it because they love rallying. Some of it are in it because they just love volunteering and yeah. they just love being part of this group and be mm -hmm. putting on this great effort at Oregon trail. It takes us around 300 volunteers, but on our event. Oh my gosh. That's that many people are willing to give up their time on their own, on their own yeah. dime yeah. to, and, and that's not, I mean, and that's, that's just the race, the, the two race days. That's not counting the thousands of hours of put in the, the days, weeks, and months of planning in advance. So yeah, it's a, it's a big undertaking, not to say that a circuit race, there isn't a lot of stuff that's involved there, but it's in this kind of more sterile environment, right? And yeah. it's, they can kind of follow a routine. Yep. Um, and as much as we try and make things routine for roads we've used before, it never ends up being routine. <laughs> Something yeah. always ends up happening. And and like what happened with, you know, you had the issue with uh, Seahorn going off. You had the tree that came down. And believe it or not, in the end, the organizers were quick to figure out what to do. There was a regroup that they were going to do. They cut the regroup. So now all of a sudden, instead of being 45 minutes delayed like you guys were when you finally started that stage, yep. in the end... I think the entire rally was late by 10 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Unbelievable. So great job by the organizers and being mm -hmm. able to make that kind of decision and keep things moving. And it all ended up working out real well. So, yeah. So are you, are you, are you on the board for the Oregon trail rally? Yes. I'm, I'm on the, well, not board. Yeah. I'm one of the, I'm part of the organizing committee. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't, man, I'm so, new to all this stuff i don't understand I, i'd call a it a board it. <laughs> i guess if there was voting and things like that but it's all volunteers so i mean <laughs> that's uh corporate america has has uh been messing with my head there you uh, go but uh so you know give me just uh, kind of give me a summary of how that works because i have no idea how planning a rally works so first thing you'll do is you'll start Probably we'll still have our first meeting for Oregon Trail, which Oregon Trail, if it runs similar to last year, it'll be in May uh, okay. or, or this year, it'll be in May. So we'll have our first meetings. There'll be monthly meetings starting in uh, probably October. And from there, it's we'll, we'll go back and we'll kind of recap. We already had kind of our recap meeting, but we'll kind of go over notes from the previous year. What went right? What went wrong? Um, then we'll start. The first thing to kind of come up with is which people are going to do which duties. Um, yeah. So you've got a laundry list of everything from stage setup, uh, volunteer organizers, uh, volunteer um, managing all the volunteers, which is a yeah. huge job. Um, cool. You know, uh, website uh, updates and changes, yep. you know, getting the, uh, um, me, I, I do press officer stuff. So I'm doing a lot of the, you know, writing of, you know, article stuff that'd be posted. Um, there's the social media aspect, getting the word out of the new date when it's out there, when that gets out, um, you know, discussions. All, we actually had a whole new website this last year that was built. And so there's a lot of communication on the back end with a, a guy that we were working with that was helping design it with us. Um, and, and, you know, think about, it. I mean, that's like your business, right? Doing yeah. all that kind of stuff behind the scenes while you're still trying to do your day job. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. And, uh, you know, so you got all these different things. Then there's the roads. 
you're going out and you're like, can we find some new roads this year? Okay, what's that? You know, get that planning process started. Got to start being on the phone, calling people. You know, what uh, what houses are maybe on these roads? Because all it takes is one person say, I don't want your rally to go through here. Uh, even though you're shutting down the road for a couple hours one day a year, that can be all it takes. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it then you know kind of decide. So you decide on the date, decide on um, the roads you're going to use. You've uh, the communication sides of it, getting all the all the duties. Um, oh, uh, inventory of all of your equipment. Uh, have you lost anything? Has anything been broken? What do you need to go buy? Okay, get the budget figured out for that. What what do we have? Oh, and then there's the what sponsors are we gonna get? Reach out to the sponsors you had before. Um, are you gonna have any new sponsor? You know, are there any new sponsors who want to come on board? Um, so you got to get that out. Preferably the sooner the better for that because you want to get in before their fiscal year uh, stuff is finished up of what they're gonna budget for their advertising dollars for the year, right? Um, <laughs> Oh I, I, I think I think I've gotten about fifty percent of the complexity of it told oh to you right now. Gosh. There's still more. <laughs> That's unreal. And but there's a lot of us though. Um, the core group of volunteers is probably about twenty people. Um, so okay. we're, we're very devoted. We're you know we love the event. Um, and oh yeah, you got to come up with the safety plan and uh, make sure that's all figured out. That's got to work through you know. Um, Make sure you work with the local fire departments and hospitals and things like that, so they know that you're yeah. when your event's on. Yeah, just it goes on and on and on. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's an amazing group of people that put these things together, and it's a lot of work, and they deserve all the credit <laughs> for making these 100%. things happen. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And honestly, I I don't feel like I should take much credit because I, I I feel like I just do a small small snippet. Uh, compared to what some of the hours other people put in, yeah, yeah, it, it takes a village. It really does of people to yeah. uh, to make these things happen. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys because that event was extremely cool. Cool. So <laughs> we like it out here. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'd like to have a, a regional event in addition to our national event because uh, you know you're, you get all these people that come out just once a year. It's like, gosh, these roads are so great. This area is so awesome how can we do something else but we also all just get so busy and there's just so yeah. much it takes just to put on the big one you're kind of burned out it's like ah, who's got time and energy to do another one but if we could find a way to do a, a simpler uh, maybe just a rally sprint or, or something using maybe one yeah. road or something like that or, or, or a little short one um, we, we'd love to do that maybe just Dallas Mountain up and down a few times or something you know, whatever um, it would be nice to have uh, mm-hmm. a, an additional one we could do in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So uh, any other words about Ojibwe? Um, and again, just a big thanks to all the volunteers and stuff for Ojibwe because, yeah, like I said, they, they made that thing come together at the end, and uh, it all worked out pretty well. Yeah, well, uh, the rally truck was involved in a complaint. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, yeah, we are the bad, <laughs> the bad boys of rally now. <laughs> oh, we can laugh about it now, but it was pretty stressful for Scott at the time. But uh, it's Otterkill again, third pass of Otterkill. So uh, we were there. We were coming down. There's there's a there's a downhill stretch and there's a straight before you go uphill to like a uh, right three or a four or something like that and uh, there's water on one side but there was a slow moving gray subaru along there so and this we recognized this car it had started like 
five minutes ahead of us so we didn't we didn't know what was going on all we knew was that they were pottering along doing about 20 30 miles an hour so we blasted past them and uh, went on our merry way and then a bit a bit later down the stage and it was it was at that uh, that that marked crest into a right three drop outside yep we were com- we were coming up to that and the next thing i knew there was a gray subaru alongside us trying to get past us huh we didn't know that this was like end of the day there was a lot more dust around then so uh, we didn't see them coming from behind and uh, so and this that, that that right three it then leads into a very tight twisty narrow section so you, there was no, and it was still a drop off on the outside for part of it so there was no real room to, to let them go guys and so we navigating our way through that tight section when it when it opened out you know they went past and then we were left in their dust so we couldn't see where we, where we were going <laughs> so uh, we got we, we basically got to the end of the stage and we both came over the finish line within like 10 seconds of each five or 10 seconds of each other so we didn't get a proper time at that uh, at uh, that finish but oh, Scott was Scott was fuming because this guy had uh, come down, come down the stage and overtaken us. I mean, this guy had lost lost five or six minutes on his like tire change. So Scott was fuming all the way. I had to drive, I had to sit alongside him all the way back from Otterkill all the way into Detroit Lakes. You know, he was quietly fuming to himself. And as soon as he got to, uh, as soon as we got to the uh, ATC at the uh, at the fairgrounds there, first thing he did was uh, complain to uh, JB, and JB said, "Well, we've had a complaint about you <laughs> because we didn't let them by." But the thing was, it's like it was so dusty and tight mm-hmm. and narrow out there, there wasn't really any way to let them by. So there was like Scott had to like fill out the inquiry form. There's a full stewards inquiry. Mm-hmm. And, standard um, process. Yes, yeah, standard process. And uh, yeah, the um, they were. I think the uh, the guys in the Subaru were were saying that they only lost. They only took like three minutes to change their tire. But you know, they, this car this this car was like five minutes ahead of us at least on the road. So uh, you know, they looked at the telemetry and the rally safe and what have you, and found out they'd been stood for like five minutes so <laughs> but anyway i mean i have no beef with these guys i mean it's heat of competition and everything but uh, we eventually got the whole thing resolved you know it's like we got like i think we got the average of our two previous runs on on after kill and they got the same with the five minutes that they uh got so that, that they were stationary so i mean if we it was all amicably sorted out but you know, scott said that the uh inquiry was one of the most stressful things he's ever done yeah well well i think that so, i think everything kind of worked out right though in yeah. that case right everything, so if, everything first of all it's just a racing incident because yeah. mirrors on a rally car are for transits they yeah. are a joke when it comes to driving on the mm-hmm. stage not like you're going to hear anything either with the gravel and stuff i mean it's just kind of ridiculous to think have that you, so. have you seen the uh, the wing the wing mirrors on the rally truck <laughs> 
They're pretty much like what would be on one of the pro Mazda cars, actually. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're pretty tiny. <laughs> That's funny, but it's it's crazy what adrenaline and competitional duty. You know, like I've had so many situations in my career where I've handled it one way, and then look at look back at it, you know, the next week, and be like, man. I acted completely different than what I uh, normally would have, but it just uh, when tensions are high and you're racing, it's yeah. it's it's hard to turn that off. But it, I tell you, it is an extremely it's an extremely scary experience to have a rally car come up your inside on stage. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, that was. I mean, I was if it's off to kill. I was like struggling with notes a little bit anyway, but to have a rally car appear on your inside it just like threw me so well actually ryan you know you were in previous cars that were slower and now you're in the r2 you you started out probably farther down the order didn't you before they moved you up so were you catching people at first yeah i think in oregon we i think in oregon we we started like 64th or 62nd and I can't remember what we finished overall, but I think on the first day we had traffic every single, we hit traffic every single stage, but it was my first rally and it, it wasn't really a thing, you know, it was just like, mm -hmm. okay, whatever. Like we're just trying to get through it and just trying to gain experience. And then in Idaho, it only happened, I think two or three times. And I don't think we even caught traffic. We just caught their dust. So, but I've been fairly lucky ever since then, you know, it's just the seating has worked out how it's worked out and, either we got reseated at the regroups or, you know, I don't know. It just, it worked out well in our favor ever since uh, Idaho. Mm -hmm. So I haven't had to deal with that yet. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cause yeah, being stuck in someone's dust, not a ton of fun, but uh, glad that worked out for you, Ian. Okay. Um, congratulations, Ryan, on being on the top of the podium and Ian for getting in the second spot in regional. That was awesome stuff. Uh, wow, Ojibwe, great rally. Uh, actually, Ian, you had one last thing. Uh, you, uh, first of all, did you had your bad dream that makes you finish well? Yes, I did have my bad dream. <laughs> I've always got to have a bad dream, and yes, you know what? I can't remember what it was right now, but uh, yeah, I definitely did have the bad dream. Uh, let me let me just see if I can find out what it was because I'm sure it was probably rather amusing. So, <laughs> But yeah, because uh, yeah, that like we say it's uh, it's it ha we gotta have gotta have the bad dream. And it, but yeah, it's one of those things. If I don't make a note of it immediately, then it's like one of those things. It's like I uh, I really do forget about. And uh, well, you gotta you give also me the got background this... of the story. Well, I, oh yeah, I, I, it's like I've always. It's, it seems like I don't know whether it's like nerves, but it's it's always it's something that's happened to me. I mean, I used to go, I used to act on the amateur stage and I always used to have bad, bad dreams before I'd go, uh, go, uh, go uh, on a run of a play. So, yeah. um, so, and, and it's, it's, I guess it's nerves, you know, but, yeah. uh, I once, I once won an acting award at a, at a play festival and that was it. All of a sudden I got like totally confident and... I never had the bad dreams anymore, and that was when I started to to screw up. <laughs> and so, and so, and so, yeah, that that jolts you. And then, I, when I started doing other play, more plays, then I start the bad dreams started to come back. So um, that was 
that's when I feel like the bad dreams are always a sign that things are going to go well. So mm. what and you're it, saying is that it's fear that keeps you focused. I guess, yeah. Yeah, and, there is, uh, and as long as I have the bad dreams, I know that I've got the nervous energy in me that is going to keep me on, keep me on the edge, keep me awake, and keep me doing my job well. And yeah, you know, my, my first my first dreams were like rally dreams, were like really silly ones where I'd like be sat sat uh, sat in the car and the car would be upside down, and uh, the the driver and the co-driver and I would be like Laurel and Hardy, and he would look at me and say, "That's another fine mess you've gotten me into." <laughs> and uh, I actually had one when uh, when I was running with Bill Morenich. This was just before the Southern Ohio Forest Rally, and we were going round a long left left corner and the car just like started drifting sideways it drifted off the trail and through the trees and it just kept going through the tree it never hit a tree it just like the whole dream was this car drifting sideways through <laughs> infinite through, drift <laughs> through this through this forest but here it is i found that found you what my found what my uh, bad dream was for ojibwe it was like, uh, so we got to the start, of the, Scott and I got to the start of the rally stage. and But it wasn't a rally stage. It was a 4th of, Ju- 4th of July parade. And I wasn't calling notes. I was throwing, throwing candy out to the kids <laughs> in the street. And the, some of the kids looked like Ken Block and Travis Pastrana. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't sound bad so far. This sounds kind of cool. But it's yeah, hilarious. that was that that was that was the dream. So it's like once I'd had that 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 weird dream, I thought, okay, you know, this one did this one didn't turn up until like about three or four days before the event because I was actually getting a bit worried that I hadn't had the dream. You know, I don't want this is not the kind of sport where you want to be get cocky and overconfident. You know, I really want to have my nerves on edge and I want to be totally fired up with the nervous energy and doing this job properly so yeah the uh that was my bad dream for the uh for a boy and it, it worked and you also have your transatlantic uh, mind meld thing that you have going on right oh yeah yes yeah the, the uh, transatlantic rally mojo have you heard have you heard this one ryan no i haven't uh, there's uh there's a um, remarkable young lady uh she, i think she's 17 years old in uh in northern ireland it's uh sarah mcfadden she is uh she's she's got albinism and she suffers with nostigmus so le- le- she's legally blind but she's a co-driver in a rally car in the irish tarmac rally championships and uh, I, I, I friended her on Facebook, and we have this ridiculous thing going, where when I finish a rally, she matches she matches me. So if I finish second in class at an event, she finishes second in class at an event. Wow! And this has happened all through the year. I think we are like uh, three out of four events. We no are we we have matched. There was only one in the summer where where we didn't match but we started out at 100 acre wood we finished third in class so sarah went and finished third in class and then i finished uh second in class at um at headwaters and she finished second in class at her her event and then of course here i finished second in class at uh at Ojibwe, and she finished second in class in her event in Galway. 
Man, that's weird. That's so that, crazy. Just, so she now is sitting. She's leading her class national champ. This is the Triton Showers National Irish Rally Championship, and she okay. is lead, she's leading her class now. And it's coming down to one event in um, this is the Fastnet Rally, which is in October. And uh, so it's winner take all there because she's tied for the tied for her and her father, uh, Keith, are tied for championship lead with a pair called Michael Rogers and Aidan Connolly. And that's the first mention they'll ever get on Global Rally podcasts yeah. but it's these two guys it's these two guys and, and uh, keith and sarah and they're both on the same amount of points third place can't catch them so this event in october october the 25th fastnet rally this is winner take all wow and i don't have a rally to back her up with oh no so i mean it's like but it's been it's been one it's been one heck of a ride for us, and uh, I really hope that come October she can get a class win and win the, win her championship. Yeah, and you can take some of the uh, credit for it too, right? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you'll you'll have to have a weird dream for her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see if see if that'll work. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. Oh, one thing I did want to mention is uh, Tedrick Mealy, um, our photographer, was out at Ojibwe, which is awesome. It was his first time out there. And uh, he did the whole headshot thing that we did back at Oregon Trail. Um, but I wasn't there because I was doing the live commentary, which is kind of cool. That whole, like, that big Jumbotron thing was up again, and we did that at the Super Special. So it was me and Tiffany. Uh, it was funny. We actually had the little box there where, you know, you could actually had a button. You could talk to, like, the uh, the the... the guys in the truck you know that are like the ones like controlling the cameras and all that stuff is it's really oh, kind of fancy awesome. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not used to doing that kind of stuff um but uh yeah i'm like where's the iphone that i'm being filmed with but no <laughs> this is this is like you know much larger scale um, Big boy stuff exactly but uh while i was doing all that tedrick was doing the as everybody came through at the very finish was trying to get the little headshots that we like to do they're great photos um he's gotten those sent to me over to me and we like to do driver quotes to go along with them. And I'd like to send a big shout out to uh, Jay uh, Grzaniak, who's um, from uh, The Firm. He was out at this rally, and he ended up uh, taking my little voice recorder and doing those little stage end little, uh, get, get those little stage end quotes for the end of the event uh, that I can do with those photos. So hopefully I'll have those up soon. Uh, just been really busy because I was out at the track all weekend seeing folks like uh, Spencer Piggott and and Connor Daly, and uh, I got to meet Mario Andretti. Yeah, oh, yeah, that. right. Okay, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay. Now, now I can die a happy rally uh, racing yeah. fan because I <laughs> I met the Mario Andretti, right? So, um, that that was pretty badass. Um, so, anyways, all right. Um, guess it's time to wrap this thing up. But Ian, I think you had a little uh, mention about some uh, Goodwood fun you're going to be going to, huh? Yeah, yes, I'm. I'm oh, well, actually, on Friday, I'm getting on a plane, and the wife and I are going to the UK, and uh, the following weekend. We are going to be at all three days of the Goodwood Revival, the world's premier historic motor racing meeting. Oh. So if anybody fancies, I know everybody's going to be at STPR, but if you're not going to be at STPR and want to see some of the finest historic motor racing in the world, I'll be there. And if you're not already following uh, 
Ian Holmes Rally co-driver on on Facebook. Give it a, give it a follow, and I'll give you inside insight into what it's like to be at the world's greatest historic motor racing meeting. That's some awesome stuff. Actually, Dario Franchitti was uh, talking at the weekend about that. This will be his return. He has yeah, not driven a race it, car. The, yes, that's the big thing. It's it was what six years ago when he had that terrible that terrible accident. crash. Yeah, yeah and this exactly. is going to be his back. first. Yeah, this is going to be his first ride drive, competitive drive back since then. So yeah, um, he, he he was uh, saying um, at, on the Marshall Pruitt live podcast uh, show that they did uh, there at the track. Um, that, you know, he got approval from insurance and uh, ended up, you know, having to uh, get in the okay from uh, Steve Olvey and uh, uh, was it uh, Terry Trammell, the two guys that are the, uh, the heads kind of the, the safety of IndyCar over the years. And um, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go and drive something safer, like an AC Cobra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all had a good chuckle at that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, granted, these guys don't want to bend up the cars too much, but they 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 still race. They're they're, oh, they're not yeah. going slow, are they? So they're not. I mean, they they're push they're push push push. All it's pre- it's proper motor racing. It is it is some of the finest motor racing you will see anywhere. And uh, I just I just love it. And it's also being streamed live on YouTube as well. So if you want to see the racing itself. It'll be on YouTube and just search for Goodwood Revival 2019. And the best part about it is it's done on a delay so that if you get up at nine o'clock in the morning and log into you log into YouTube, you will see what happened at nine o'clock in the morning in the UK. Oh, neat. Huh. I wonder how they've managed to get that to work. But I like that. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Any uh, any wants of uh, driving something historic, Ryan? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not. I haven't learned all of uh, the historic rally cars yet. I just saw that movie. Um, oh man, I'm gonna butcher this title. Falls of Fire, I want to say, but I feel I feel like that sounds so so wrong. But it's a Group B documentary, and uh, those those cars look pretty sweet, pretty special. But you know, I've always wanted to get into a uh, historic Formula One car or um, something along those lines, historic Formula Two or something like that it'd be pretty cool but those historic rally cars look pretty sweet as well uh all the screaming rpms from those formula one days were just it, it was it was definitely another world back then for sure yeah absolutely uh, well um your next event you're gonna be at stpr yes yep yeah we got stpr finishing the rest of the national events out so stpr and lspr and then uh I'm actually going over to do Rally GB in the JWRC with Rhiannon. Really? Oh, whoa. Yeah, pretty excited about that. It's going to be pretty That's cool. So, awesome. Yeah, just going over to get some experience. And, and uh-huh. uh, my plan is to go for the entire two-wheel drive um, open ARA championship next year. So I figured that's uh, get tossed in with the wolves and sharks and go uh, go get some experience over there and just see how it goes and just try to finish that rally and then um also gonna do try and do it's not confirmed yet but try and do big white rally in uh, canada in december yeah, so yeah. i've never driven on snow before so i need a little practice before uh before snow drift so oh awesome. well, you should come awesome. up you should come up to namaji here in minnesota in december it could well be could well be white out here then white and uh, sheet uh, it was sheet ice last year 
<laughs> yeah, I have a feeling it, it definitely will be white. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I know that I know that um, that uh, Nemaji isn't the best the best event for the for the rally truck. I mean, we end, ended up uh, tail tail end first in a ditch last year for what for one, and then we ended up nose first in another ditch on the second stage. So. Oh no! <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah I, I probably need as much experience as I can get on snow, so we'll see how that goes. And I've heard driving a front-wheel drive car is a nightmare on snow. Uh, it's constantly scrabbling for grip, for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this show. Ryan Booth, thank you so much for being on this show. You've been a joy to have on. We're definitely going to have to have you back on again. Are you okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us both individually on Facebook, too. I've got my Mike Shaw Rally. Ian's got his Ian Holmes Rally co-driver uh, Facebook page. Or you can send us an email to rallycast at openpaddock.net. Send us your thoughts. And uh, I'm your host, Mike Shaw. For Ian Holmes and for Ryan Booth, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>